Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Kreider here, again, having a conversation with a key leader in the body of Christ about leadership, finding those little things in leadership that can make a huge difference down the road. With me today is Andy Bird from Kona in Hawaii. Welcome yes. to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. So, so honored to be here with you, Larry. This is really fun. Well, thank you. Well, I've known you for quite a few years. We've met here and there. And I know you spent some time here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And talk to us a bit about how you grew up? You grew up in Alaska, didn't you? Yes. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like yeah. a little town or something? Tiny town. Yeah. Like, like what's tiny? Uh, my graduating class was like 13. Oh my, that is tiny. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And yes. so somehow in that in your journey, you found the Lord somehow? How did yeah. that whole thing happen? Yeah, yeah. So origin, born in Washington State and lived there for okay. a number of years when I was real young. Okay. And actually that was maybe even smaller and more remote. It was basically a Christian hippie community. Really? that my parents helped start, um, kind of came out of the revivals of Southern California, moved up after in the mid-70s, kind of in the back-to-the-lander movement. And, uh, and so I was born in that community. We started a town an hour from the nearest town, probably 20 families in the whole community. Really? Yeah, so that was my earliest roots. And then when, that, when we kind of transitioned out of that, my dad took us to remote Alaska out near Russia in the Aleutian Islands where he had worked when he was single. So this wow. little island called Adak, Alaska. Never heard of it. Yeah, nobody has. It was actually a Navy base. We were one of very few civilian families. My dad's a biologist. Oh, wow. So he was overseeing a lot of the conservation biology in the Aleutian Islands. And then he moved us to Homer, Alaska, which is where my most formative years, junior okay. high, high sure. school, sure. little tiny town, end of the road, yeah. maybe 5,000 people in the town, something like that. So did you ever dream when you were that age, you'd be doing the kind of things you're no. doing now? No, traveling throughout the world. Never, 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 ever. I think, I don't know if most Alaskans think this way, though me and my friends yeah. did, is you just don't think you're going to leave Alaska. You're going to really? get a great job, commercial fish, which I'd done every summer was, you know, fishing sure. and make decent money and kind of live the Alaskan dream. So I never imagined that I would, that I'd be going around the world, that I have a chance to see That's the amazing. world. I never dreamt it. So in the midst of being in Alaska, yeah. somewhere you came to Christ. Did yes. that happen in Alaska or later? Yeah. Yep. So family was always devout. I would okay. say we would all say now we weren't really living in the fullness, but faithful and sure. devout. And so when I left Alaska, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I'd heard of this thing called YWAM. Okay. Dad was definitely set on me going to university and I wasn't opposed to it. I just had no vision, no idea what to study. So sure. we agreed on like a gap year, go to YWAM, figure out what you want to major in and then go to university. So I looked up all these bases and I found one in Hawaii and I was like Whoa, that's where I'm going really? you know it's time to thaw out like I've sure. been in Alaska way too long let's go to Hawaii but I really went for all the wrong motives like I was thinking adventure which is a good motive but I was thinking get out of Alaska I didn't really have a lot of spiritual hunger but long story short the first week of my 
by DTS, I had the most profound encounter with God in my life up to that point. And it changed everything. I found myself, you know, on the floor in the presence of the Lord, more aware of his love and his presence than I had ever been in my life. And it changed everything. I, when I got up that night from that posture of worship, um, everything had shifted. I was still lots of immaturities, lots of that stuff, but my whole perspective on Jesus had shifted. And, uh, that was like 23 years ago and I've, I've just never looked back. That was the moment for me. So did you go back to Alaska then? No. So I stayed, I did my whole YWAM DTS experience and then I didn't go home. I actually just joined staff right away. And it was two years before I ever went home to visit. And by that time I was engaged and, uh, to, this amazing, beautiful young lady from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I know. Tell us about that. Yeah. I remember I met you. Yes. You were young. You were here in Lancaster. Super young. That's right. That. Yes. Yeah. So I think um, I would have probably first met you when I just turned 20. And um, my wife, Holly Martin at the time, yes. had come to the same DTS. We ended up staffing together for almost two years. Amazing. And at the end of leading a couple teams of the Philippines and Cambodia, I was like, this girl's my best friend. And so basically, I took her on a date and proposed. <laughs> and uh, and we were both 19 years old, but our parents really trusted us. Wow. Uh, my parents had never met her, but they had seen such change in my life sure. that they're like, Andy, we trust you. Her parents had met me. They were amazing. So we moved here for our first year of marriage, and that's when we met. That's when we met. Yeah, yeah so it had been that. the Man, year 2000. Restaurant. Yeah, down yes. the road, sure. Yes, 2000, and I was newly married, 20 years old, and uh, best decision of my life, not marrying this amazing young woman, and wouldn't have known how significant Lancaster would become to our storyline sure. and to our formation. So That is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you're married, yep. living here a couple years, I'm uh-huh. assuming, right? Yep, yep. And then were you in YWAM during that time? So the first year we took off, to ju- I just worked. I worked as an electrician okay. for a local electrician okay, really? in in, um, uh, in Mannheim. Wow. And uh, Holly worked as well. We just got super plugged into a local church yep. and just built a, a solid year of marriage Beautiful. foundation. Hard work yep. and enjoying marriage. And then at the end of that year, we launched right back into YWAM. Wow. Now, today I know that you've got this passion for revival and the nations and awake and all that. But how did that whole thing happen? You get back in Wyoming. I'm assuming you went back to Conan, Wyoming? Uh, we actually were in Maui is where we all Maui. started. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Later, Kona later, was later. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about your journey in God to get to the place where, I mean, your life message is, you know, the nations and revival and God changing nations and a new generation, being a revival generation and all that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. one thing I love about you so much because, you know, we've carried that same kind of heart. And I feel like you're way ahead of us. And if you see things we haven't seen, no, no, honored, man. I'm and still learning from Doug. And still reading the books you wrote about this, <laughs> trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, we were still reading the books too and trying to figure it out. <laughs> so, talk more about that journey. How did God grab your heart? For nations and for revival, how did that whole thing happen? Yeah, great question. I would say when I was 18 and started traveling the nations, uh, Cambodia, the Philippines, uh, was in the Muslim world fairly early on in Uzbekistan and a number of different places, I just got gripped with the reality that I didn't know, you know, of how so much of the world is living and the, the sheer 
magnitude of of the uh, of the unreached That's situation right. yeah. i just didn't know yeah and so the more my eyes were open to you know today we would say you know 3.2 billion unreached people on yeah. the earth at that time i don't know what that number would have been um the more i just went i have to do something about sure. this how could i enjoy kind of uh my my safe you know self-focused life right knowing now the reality and at the simultaneously that i was kind of getting exposed to the nations um there are a lot of things i could point to but one of them is i just started reading um history yeah and i yeah. probably same as your story yeah. i mean it was the charles finney oh, biography yeah. my favorite all-time book next to the bible yeah it is charles finney's revival lectures that that's one of the things that torched <laughs> me so that yeah. was one of the books oh the wow. same book oh, and a handful of others you know started reading about john wesley yeah, same with me before long it stumbled into the moravians yeah. And I was, I got so hungry. Wow. It was like getting exposed to um, something you didn't even know existed, right? Tasting a food you had never even knew was a possibility. And it was like, I realized I'd lived so much of my life in one on one aspect of Christianity, or maybe even a number of them, but that there was a, if it was a mansion, there was one entire wing of the mansion I didn't even know existed. Wow. And it wasn't until I tapped into some of those figures in history that I just went, oh my gosh, there is so much more. Well, and the cry for more is really what led me sure. there. Well, later on in the podcast, we want to talk about some of the leadership principles, things you've learned that yeah. all other, other leaders. But it sounds like one key for you already was you dug into these areas in history where you're looking for, you want to see happen today. Yes. You you dug in, you studied, yeah. you did yes. the work behind the scenes yes. to re- understand all that so you could then in our generation see that happen again. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. And I would absolutely call myself a, a nerd historian. Wow. Absolutely not a historian right. by any measure of the real definition of a historian. But I have spent the last 23 years reading everything I can get my hands wow. on from revival history, reformation history, church history, um, trying to understand how did God move, right. what happened in the hearts of those leaders, mm-hmm. and then how does he want to do it again today? Exactly. And of course, the Moravians, of course, we live in Lewis, Pennsylvania, yes. founded by Zinzendorf. Yes. We love the Moravians. And of course, as you know, would know well, then their heart was unity in the body of Christ. We can't do this ourselves. We join hands together with the body of Christ, you know, to see the world one for Jesus. Yes. And all this kind of things. So talk to us about, or talk, talk to us on this podcast about that which you have seen in the nation of the world that has really stirred you. Yeah. What's your passion? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I know it's the unreached, but what, mm-hmm. talk to us about that. Yeah. A couple of things I think that have really gripped us in these last number of years. One would be, um, it would, would be in dialing in a little bit on the term unreached yeah. would be actually beginning to identify where are some of these least reached people groups and where are some of the, ma- the majority populations of the unreached and, and literally how do we begin to reach them? Sure. You know, so just trying to dial that strategy in a little bit more so that we're really are pressing towards some real great commission finish lines. The mm-hmm. Matthew 24 promise that yes. every ethnos on earth will Amen. hear and then the end will come. And so we're we're touching on those lines yes. right now in the body of Christ globally like never before. You know, we're for the first time in human history uh, as low as 200 unengaged people groups on the planet now. And, and 15 years ago, that 
number was well over a thousand. I remember that well. Yeah. So we're in a new day. And many of those unengaged people groups, we now know where they are, the language they speak, and are actively working towards translating the Bible for the first time in human history into every single language on earth. And it's expected that by the year 2030 to 2035, the last language on earth will have the New Testament, will have the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is only because of unity and collaboration across the body of Christ. But I think we've developed real passion to raise up teams who would move into these, many of them remote or difficult places, learn the language, learn the culture, just like our heroes have inspired us for hundreds of years, um, for the sake of empowering indigenous missions movements, indigenous Mm. disciple-making movements, indigenous church planting movements. And there are few things that excite me more than sending one of these teams off into the remote Himalayas or into the remote Central Asia or into you know the bustling cities of the Arab Gulf Mm. and to watch them go out with hearts that are ablaze with Jesus Mm. living from intimacy full of hope and faith but also willing to do the hard work of building friendships learning language one person at a time loving the person in front of them so this whole world of of, of seeing the globe through the the eyes of Jesus, how would he, if he came to seek and save the lost, how right. does he see the geography of the right. world? Right. And that compels me. Yeah. So, of course, it's disciples making disciples making disciples, and that's your heart. You carry that heart. Give us some examples of places in the world where you see God moving in just a sovereign way, it just kind of blows your mind and stirs you on to greater faith yeah. to, s- to say more, Lord. Yeah. How can we continue this process to yes. see the world reach for Jesus? Absolutely. One of my f- places I'm particularly drawn to on a personal level is the Himalayas mm-hmm. and have spent um, the last you know, 15, 16 years investing in that region. And um, I am stunned from 15, 16 years ago, which is not that long. I'm still a new kid on the block. But even just in the last 15 years, watching the spread of the kingdom in that area in particular is astounding. And Mm -hmm. we have one of our um, stronger long-term teams in that region. And we started uh, about five years ago targeting some of the most remote districts that have been very little touched by the gospel. In fact, most people in the Himalayan region wouldn't necessarily even want to go to these areas. And our initial strategy was actually through Bible distribution. It was getting the Bible in their language in in SD cards or the Jesus film or print. And then it gave us a great reason to trek into these remote areas. The record that one of our young teams set was a hundred miles of hiking for one village. And uh, I myself did about a 77 mile hike to get to about three villages. And going into these remote places and watching the hunger when they hear the stories of Jesus mm. encounter his power for the very first time when you know, no one in their generational line has ever heard the name of Jesus is some of the most rewarding and remarkable moments I've ever had the chance to live. And then watching how that is becoming a stronger and stronger mm. indigenous movement. I'll give you one story yeah, on this do. is just, this is I real love recent these stories. Real recent, I would probably, I'm going to say about a year ago, one of these teams was doing distribution in a remote area of the Himalayas, gave Bibles out, showed the Jesus film. The response is usually pretty remarkable. And then we're following up. We're sending local pastors back, you know, we're really wanting to to move towards multiplicational movements. Um, So uh, it's about a year later. This is real recent now, about 
two months ago, maybe a month ago, one of our team leaders were in that area, but still a day's trek from this particular sure. village. They're at a church, and after church, a young girl, 16 years old, comes up and says, hey, you don't know me, but a year ago or a little bit more, one of your teams came through, <clears throat> came through and gave me a Bible. And uh, she said, I read it after the team left, and on my own, I decided that I wanted to follow this God, Jesus. So I renounced my former way of thinking. And she goes, I didn't even know what to do, but several of my family members were wrestling with demonic bondage, and I began to pray for them, and they were delivered instantly. She goes, now my whole family and 16 of our village have gotten saved. We've gotten kicked out of the village, which is why we moved to this town that we're in now. And I want you to know it was all because of that Bible that you left in my home a year and a half or so ago. And this girl is now 16 years old, and she is making decisions. Disciples. She is sharing the mm. gospel. She has counted the cost. And um, many in her village have gotten saved now. And of Beautiful. course, we believe for that village to get, mm. you know, experience even more. Yeah. But that is one of many that stories that we're hearing Thank in you. this region of the world. Good. Now, Andy, I know you've got a love for the body of Christ. You've got a love for ministries. Your, your influence goes way beyond Youth with a Mission. I'm very aware of that. Uh, talk to us a bit about things that you have seen or see God doing as we connect together, work together, movements working together, uh, ministries working together, and talk to us about what that looks like as you see. And then I want you also to focus a bit on what about America? You know, you and I both travel all over the world. We see God moving sovereignly in these nations and nations we can't even mention on this podcast because it would it cause problems with the people who are there. Uh, but then talk about America a bit. I know you've been involved in the sins and some of those things. Just just give us give us hope for our nation. Yes, yeah, I love that. Well, on the topic of unity, um, just uh, last week I was in a gathering with a handful of pastors that had come out to Kona to visit sure. us and spend time together yeah. talking about the Great Commission. And Lauren Cunningham was 85 years old. Amazing. Um, just such a legend. And he came and shared for about an hour with those leaders. And something at the end, which I'd heard him say, but I watched it impact these leaders in a fresh way. He said, hey, I've been doing YWAM started 60 years ago. Right. And he would have had a handful of years of ministry before even YWAM. He goes, I have never seen the level of unity that we are seeing in the body of Christ globally right now, which I watch these pastors, especially in America, because maybe we're coming out of what may feel like one of the most divisive years in our history or in our lifetimes with everything that's gone on in America in this last year. It seems like the enemy's taken every bit of it to try and cause division. So when Lauren said this, I watched these leaders light up and actually just got off the phone with one in Texas and he said, I was so struck by that statement. He goes, we have believed in our city in Texas. Billy Graham once said we were the most divided city in America. He goes, we've believed that ever since then. He goes, I just met with a bunch of pastors and I told them we're changing the narrative. Lauren says this is the greatest day of unity. We're declaring a new day of unity over our city. And so I think some of this is not buying into the enemy's narrative that he's trying to write over our nation right now. He wants to divide us at every level and sometimes we buy into the mm-hmm. narrative but there's a bigger narrative yes. going on a more grand narrative and in yeah. that narrative maybe some are falling away maybe mm-hmm. some there is some certainly some sure. painful division sure. but those who are going to take a stance on the truth of the scripture the power of the so holy good. spirit so love for the lost we are heading into a greater day of unity than we've yeah. ever experienced Amen. before 
Amen. Now talk about the sins. Yeah. Talk about not only what happened. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we had, we had a bunch of young people there, you know, in Florida. Yeah. And even these look to the future. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned this early. You know, America. What's God doing yeah, in exactly. America right now? And I think our our sense, and uh, but when I say our, I know there's many people behind that. This is far beyond the sand. Is that um, even in the current crisis? the Lord has a remarkably redemptive story Mm -hmm. that he's writing. And maybe it took what we have experienced in the last year to actually wake us up. And I've asked myself a number of times in the last month, you know, what, what else was going to stir the body of Christ? Was it going to be, you know, were we finally going to have the greatest preacher the nation's ever had and the the body of Christ would, would rise up or was it going to be the greatest worship team we've ever had? And I just went, no, it was never going to be any of those things. So what, was it going to take if we recognize we needed a measure of awakening what was it going to take and i just think that that's part of the redemption of the difficulty the last year is that there is their bones are rattling in america Mm. and i believe that what we're pressing in for is the re-evangelization of america Uh, and that we desperately need um, a, a unified church that sees America as a mission field and that we would treat it with the dignity and the love of a mission field Mm. and versus the frustration of our nation feeling like we've turned in many ways away from God, that frustration will never lead to the spiritual awakening we're believing for. We've got to view it with the same compassion as if you and I moved to the Middle East tomorrow and had compassion for the lostness of the nation. So it's our compassion and that heart of Jesus that I think is dropping a vision in the Church of America to believe for the re-evangelization mm-hmm. of the nation. We've got to set our eyes on Gen Z. Yes, we and do. we've we've got I I think we're in a window of time to contend for a move of God in Gen Z or they will set their course in a different direction. Yeah, so the send exists yeah. to pull leaders from the body of Christ together around not an organization or a brand name, but around the message mm-hmm. of the re-evangelization of America and the great commission at a global level. Beautiful. Those two Two things okay. are the banners that we're crying mm-hmm. out for when we gathered in Orlando, when we had three stadiums in Brazil simultaneously yes. on yes. the same day, yes. was the 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 reevangelization or the full evangelization of Brazil and the global Great Commission. Yeah. And tell us, because many people have not heard about the Brazil yeah. story, I yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. That it was, was crazy. miraculous. It, it, nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, I mean, like almost instantly the place was filled. Right? Yes. What happened? Yeah, that's the story. Is you know, eight months out, we finally said on a venue and we were real nervous because the send was new yeah didn't know if anyone really knew who we were right. and it's certainly in brazil we wondered that yeah and so we rented a venue in faith a big one going man of god please fill this yeah. thing it, real desperate pray, prayers and then the day we launched registration which was eight months out um in six hours it was at capacity and we That's had amazing. sold out at seventy-five thousand tickets That's amazing. and the stadium contacted us because they were like hey Hey, this is unheard of, and actually, you broke the record. And we're like, "What? Really? What record? We didn't even know what they meant, you know." And they go, "Well, the fastest that had ever been filled was six and a half hours."
Wars, and it was the bands Coldplay and U2. Really? Oh my! And uh, we just went, oh my gosh, we're in a new day. Yes. Like this is not about the Sen. People in Brazil sure. didn't even know what the Sen was. Mm. It was the sound of the Great Commission. Yes. It was the sound of faith yes. for the nation and the nations mm. of the earth. So that grew, and since it filled in one day, we rented a second stadium okay. that filled over a weekend. Wow! So we rented a third stadium in one of the most difficult cities to gather in. So that one never reached full capacity, but between all three stadiums, we were about 150,000 and another about 2 million Beautiful. that watched live online. Beautiful. So it was, it was miracles. God, um, the whole time running through my mind was that passage out of Isaiah chapter nine, the zeal of the Lord shall accomplish yes. this. And I was like, was this is not marketing. Total God. Thing, <laughs> yeah. Huh? This is not man or woman. Yeah. This is the zeal of God. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this obviously is a leadership podcast, and I just love hearing the passion of people's hearts and leaders' hearts, and, and you share that so, so clearly. Let's talk a bit about leadership. You've been involved now in leadership for 23 years, as I understand. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, just if you were to say, here's some of the key things I've learned about leadership, things I wish you would have known mm. when I was 20 or whatever. Yeah. You know, I uh, wish you would have known that then. And these are just decisions I made, things God showed me, you know, whether it's a hard way or the easy way, whatever. But it made all the difference in leadership. I saw God use that and enhance the leadership God gave me. Obviously, Jesus, greatest leader who ever lived. And we try to emulate him and follow his example. Uh, but what did, what are some things you've learned? About, yeah. What are some keys to leadership, Andy, yeah. that you feel have helped you? Maybe things you've learned mm -hmm. or maybe things you've seen in others. Mm -hmm. You've been around a lot of leaders in mm -hmm. the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I love that question. And I would I would say um, this is a fun one for me to answer with you because when I th we were talking before that when I first got married and lived here in Lancaster, my wife and I got a hold of your book, The Cry for Spiritual Mothers and Fathers. That's amazing. And I think you had just written it maybe a couple years before. I'm not totally sure, but it rocked us. And it gave us language for what we were not only longing for in our own lives, but also longing to become. Sure. And honestly, I would say that what I learned in that book, which I shamelessly would recommend to anyone listening, um, is what became a foundation stone for us. And, and one of the reasons it became that was an overall paradigm on leadership. And this is the way I might answer that question, at least with one thing is I, I think when, um, when you're young, you aspire to leadership. You you almost want it, you right. know, responsibility. And then at some point you hit an age where you're in leadership and you're like, why did I ever aspire to this? <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> this is just a lot of work. That's and so I think the, the paradigm shift for me that was so helpful, which I could trace back to that book, was the whole concept of what does leadership look like through the eyes of Jesus. Right. And what I began to learn or be challenged with is that in a, in a lot of modern leadership books, you're you're going to have lots of great chapters in there. And then one chapter in the book, some for some reason, usually near the end, is going to be on the topic of servant leadership. Right as if there's another form of leadership. Right. And I, when I remember looking through the scriptures on this and going, man, Jesus actually never one time used the word leader unless he was referring to the actual title of the religious leaders. I don't even mean it was negative. It was yep. just what he called them. But he talks multiple times about servanthood. True. And you realize in the eyes of Jesus is that serving is leading. That's correct. And we in some ways at times can dangerously make it one 
one aspect versus the entire foundation right. of every right. other aspect of yeah. leadership. And it's almost like we ought to be focusing on rather than uh, servant leadership that we are leading servants. That's very good. And uh, good. I think at a conceptual level, level, I began to experience that and see that. And then, of course, be- I was also had the privilege of seeing leaders around me like yourself, like Lauren Cunningham going, this is different than how the world leads. Right. That where this is the, the church's leadership exists to serve, empower, champion, to be a foundation versus to be a roof, yes, you know, to, to be the, the ground yeah. level helping push yeah. everyone towards their calling, exactly. towards the Lord. And I think the sooner that a leader can come to that paradigm, the, the more enjoyable leadership becomes. That's really true. Not about my influence, right. not about me getting it right all the time, not about my title, not about my position. Correct. How many people can I serve? Yeah, it's really getting under people and helping them fulfill the call of God that's on yes. their lives and, and trying to pigeonhole them into doing things the way we've done it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. Any other things? I mean, you've worked with Lauren Cunningham. you work with so many leaders. You've yeah. seen leaders. God's opened doors for you. Any other principles of leadership yet yeah. that you'd want to share in this podcast that things that have helped you or you've seen others do that yeah. you've tried to emulate mm-hmm. that have made all the difference in leadership? Any yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I would say if I looked at the life of Lauren and Darlene, sure. this would be one of the ones I would say is that Lauren's 85, Darlene's That's 80. Amazing. Um, YWAM is about 60 years old now. And especially at their age now, they're telling a lot of the early stories. Sure. They're helping us remember right. our history and, and connect to it. And the thing that has struck me on that at a leadership level is that Lauren and Darlene started with nothing and no one. Mm -hmm. And it's easy in that moment when you have nothing and no one to be heavily dependent on the Lord, right? Because you have nothing else, nothing in the bank account, no one following you and nothing but a word of the Lord. So you pray more, Mm -hmm. you you listen more, you know, in humility, you're kind of pressing in like, God, you got to give us guidance. We don't know what to do. And the danger can become is that the more that we lead, the more people we lead or the more responsibility carry that we stray from the very thing that actually produced the impact and the favor in the first place. That's so good. And what struck me about Lauren and Darlene is I'll sit in a leadership meeting to this day and we might be making significant decisions and we're still making them the way they did 60 years ago. We stop, we bow our heads, we wait on God and we're going to simply obey what he said to do. So YWAM's size never changed their value system. Mm -hmm. YWAM's complexities never changed their value system. Their influence or notoriety in the body of Christ never changed the way that they led. And so I would say to every leader listening is that the things that God us started in leadership, the reason the favor of the Lord may have come on us in the first place is the only way that favor will actually continue. Mm. And the innocence of our early years of leadership actually have remarkable keys for our latter years Mm. of leadership that we would stay simple, stay values driven. And, and keep it to the basics of hearing and obeying God. Wow. No amount of money should change yeah. that. No amount of influence should change that. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's still trust and obey. So I love that. You're saying stay to the basics. Yeah. You're saying keep the values that God has given you. Yeah. And keep it simple, basically. Yes. And I completely agree. We we in the Dove International family, we've been so indebted to Youth with a Mission. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you before that one of the persons I remember talking to you 
talking to when we started a movement from one church. We're a multi-site church, and after 16, 15 years, started a movement of churches. And with Lauren, said, Lauren, how do you make decisions? Said, how do you do this? Uh, we were at a conference together in New Zealand at that time, and uh, remember clearly just the insights that were given. And then later, Floyd McClung, who worked for many years with YWAM, helped us tremendously. So yeah. we've been indebted wow. you know, to Youth of the Mission. We're so grateful for all we've learned you know, through you and your, your family. Uh, it's been amazing. It's mutual. It's so mutual. Right, it's great. But look, I uh, we're going to wind down. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to say yet? Anything else you think? Oh, I wish I would have said that. There's last last minute op- opportunity. I think if I could say anything again, just to leaders, um, after probably one of the more unique years that many leaders yes. have faced, I have to think 2020 was the hardest year to pastor in history. Oh, I'm sure of it. Of our I'm generation. Sure of, of our generation. Yeah. Probably in a hundred years. Probably. I would think so. Right. And you're you're in the, that role even more than I. I am. Of course, we're pastoring our community in Kona, right. but I'm just thinking of the Dove yeah. movement and right. all the pastors right. that are scattered around the world oh, yeah. and the difficulties of that yes. year. You felt like you, if you said something, you said it wrong. If right. you didn't say anything, you right. should have said something. Yeah, that's right. If you went cautious, you shouldn't have gone cautious. If you threw caution <laughs> in the wind, you shouldn't have thrown caution right. in the wind. It was impossible to win. That's right. And I guess I would just say to every leader listening right now, is how important it is to get our hopes up, even in the midst of the difficulty of the last season, which the, which can serve to try and diminish our hope. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we lose a little bit of expectation, right. not our faith, not right. walking away from Jesus, not, not not loving him, but to diminish our expectation. That's a good word. And when I get back to the Charles Finney's, yeah. and when I get back to the John Wesley's, when I get back yes. to the Count Zinzendorf's, yes. I find leaders in crisis who carried hope. Yeah. And they didn't let the crisis diminish their expectation and hope mm. of what God could do. And I think what we need in America, among the unreached and nations all over the world right now, is leaders with hope. I agree. Expectation that God can break in at any moment yes. and that he is yes. and that we're living in the greatest hour of harvest mm. in human history. Totally agree. And that's a great leadership principle. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today on this My privilege. podcast. And if somebody is listening and they say, man, I'd like to know more about what Andy's doing. Yeah. Do you have any websites or anything you could yes. offer? Yeah, absolutely. Two websites for Kona and everything we do there. It's ywamkona.org okay. and, and uh, that talks about our schools and sure. our vision sure. and where we're going. And then the Send, which our next send gatherings in Kansas City wow. next year, 2022. And uh, we don't have an exact date, but it's probably a roughly a year from now okay. or early June. Sure. And that website is the send.org. And that okay. has the vision of where we're going with the send right. and kind of some of our next steps. Right. Well, that'll be in the show notes on the bottom. And uh, anybody can pick up that and get back to you and your team to get more information. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was really inspiring. I really enjoyed Such this. Such an honor. Yeah, well, thank you. God bless you. And for everyone joining us today, we're so glad you've joined us for the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast and look forward to seeing you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Crider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryCrider.com. 